Hello and welcome to Level Select, a podcast exploring great video game levels, chapters, worlds, and this month, maps. That's right, we're continuing the madness of multiplayer maps in March. I am your host, Operative Robert Beach. Morgan Park, what is this episode's game? We are talking about Rainbow Six Siege. Are you are you sure we have the right game? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm positive. I I swear I thought it was Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Oh come on. Who, who <laughs> ever says the Tom Clancy part? I'm 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 just I'm just stating that out in front of it, you know, that that's what it says on Steam and uh, the various other places to buy the game. You know you know what's but... right? For a while there, Tom Clancy actually had a say in the games and then right a, a few years before he passed he literally just like permanently sold off his name put it on anything you want i don't have to have any mm-hmm. oversight anymore i'm just done let let his son also name tom both an age consult here and there right right and so now even more even less than he ever really did have to do with the games he has literally nothing <laughs> to do with them which is probably how a game like this even got put out yeah but it gave us a really great game, so who am I to complain? It's one of my favorite games ever made. <laughs> Dang. So, one of your favorite games. What is it? What is Rainbow Six Siege? Uh, simply put, it's a tactical multiplayer first-person shooter. Uh, 5v5, it kind of follows the trends of um, like hero shooters in a way, but also combined with uh, more realistic tactical gameplay from something like Counter-Strike. Yeah, it's it's like what I found like after like playing dozens of hours of it already so far. Um, it's it's like what if Counter-Strike had destructible environments, loadouts, unique abilities per player, all wrapped up in a three-minute package each round. Like right. you don't have that much health, like in Counter-Strike, you buy like have like half or a quarter of that health and it feels like sometimes compared yeah. to Counter-Strike. And it's it's interesting, or it's important to at least clarify for somebody who has never played it that you were talking about three bullets to the chest and you're dead for almost any situation. And for literally any situation, one shot to the head and you're done. Uh, oh yeah, I, I've, I've had a situation like that where like I, I've had, uh, oh gosh, uh, players on the other side mentioning this, it's like, what the hell? Like you shot him in one head from like a long range, like pistol shot with like, one random stray bullets, and pop, he's dead. Right. That's just that's how it goes. There's no, there's no weapon drop or, or I mean bullet drop. Mm-hmm. There's there's any gun can shoot clear across the map. It's just a matter of how accurate you are. Uh, and the game the shooting's also extremely precise. So like, it's not like uh, it's even something that's really great. Like Overwatch, like deliberately has this system where the hitboxes on characters are, are pretty chunky, bigger than their actual models, mm-hmm. uh, and the guns themselves shoot in, in pretty wide bursts most of the time, uh, and to to make shooting easier, that's what it does, it makes it feel better uh, at most in most circumstances, but Rainbow Six deliberately is extremely precise and very punishing for not aiming well. Uh, you can shoot, the hitboxes are so precise that it does, it's not even their entire model, it's the human inside the model. So if someone's wearing a helmet, and you shoot the very top of their helmet where their head actually isn't, it'll go straight through the helmet and not actually hit them. You need to hit the head inside the Whoa. helmet. So, Whoa, oh my gosh. I know, okay. it's, cra- it's absolutely crazy. And 
it leads to a lot of people sometimes being like, I swear that I shot that guy's like, no. I mean, if you actually look at the play-by-play, <laughs> you shot between his arms, you shot under his legs, you shot him once in the leg, uh, and then he shot you in the head. The character models actually exist for a reason here. Okay. Right, and it's and it's cool for me. Uh, it's not like a, every game needs to have that, but I really enjoy that this game does it. No, totally. It's just like you can't play it like run and gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but you know, have fun with that with all the various traps that it has. Right. Now, very recently, I found out that it has over 25 million players in Siege. Yeah, regist- I mean, yeah, registered users over. Registered users, which, like, sure, you can chalk it up to, like, I don't know, several free weekends across the three or four platforms it's on, but there's a massive staying power behind it. Yeah. I've read recently, um, Steam Charts says there were, like, 70,000 concurrent players on Steam in the past 30 days. Right, yeah, like, Like, I I looked at the subreddit most days, and um, every once in a while you'll see on there, like, hey, we reached a new concurrent high, and it's... Seventy thousand or whatever, or maybe sometimes even hundred thousand or something. But um, the the registered users is an impressive metric for like headlines and that sort of thing. But yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it they've done free weekends all over the place, so it's not that surprising that a lot of people have at least tried it. You know. Um, but what is impressive is that millions of people play it every day. So that's that's straight up millions of people sticking with it, uh, logging in every single day, and that's like the numbers there are like right up with. Uh, obviously not above like PUBG or Overwatch Dota. or stuff like that, but it's it's consistently on Steam charts at least in like fourth place or something like that. It's it, it's a game you don't really consider to be high ranking until you notice it. Right, it's, that's exactly why I mention it sometimes because you don't really hear about it as much as those games, but it's always up there. Oh yeah. Now another thing was it's it released in December first, two thousand fifteen. And it was it was right next to uh, Just Cause Three, Star Wars Battlefront, Black Ops Three, Halo Five. Gosh. And it it, it just seemed like everything. I don't want to say everything was against it. Like it had some server issues as well on, on launch. But that that was all in like 2015 when it launched. And now in 2018, obviously with the high like registered player count and concurrent player count. But just Ubisoft was mentioning like, yeah, we plan to have like. 100 operatives by 2028, you know, like in the next 10 years. Yeah, we're not going to plan a sequel. This is like a consistent right. thing. Yeah, it's... Like, what, what what, the hell happened? When did Siege turn from a release kind of sort of failure to like a, like a stable of the gaming industry in 2018? Well, see, for me, I didn't even start playing it until late 2016, so I've only been playing it for like a year and a half or something wow. consistently. Um but I've done my homework, and I was, you know, I was around when it came out, and I was was interested in checking it out. Um, but when it came out, it was a mess. It really was. Like, uh, it can't be overstated. Like how buggy it was. Like you, one of those games that you're that you're playing that launch, and you're like, how did this get released this early? Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of things that just weren't in place yet, like balance changes that were pretty important. Um, other than the, them being budged themselves, the servers were completely off base, just not not up to snuff. Um, 
Yeah, and, and like the uh, the battle nets or like the the anti cheating software wasn't really in place entirely. It wasn't. Yet. Yeah, that's right. The, this this predates my time with it, but for mm -hmm. a long time, cheaters were a gigantic issue. Like in the way PUBG is having that issue right now uh, with cheaters. Like that's Rainbow Six went through that in its first like six months before it even had BattleEye uh, to oversee it on the PC. Like cheaters were just everywhere. <laughs> uh, made a borderline unplayable uh, but wow. it was it, it, what's funny is that I, I hopped on because it was on sale um, in near Christmas of 2016 almost a year after it came out um, and, I, and I had seen like videos and gifs and cool cool little snippets of it that made it seem really interesting um, but it was around that time that it actually also was coming into its own like even to the community because that was around the time of the final DLC for the first year called uh, Operation Red Crow, I believe. Um, and that added the seventh and eighth new operators to the game every single, every single season, which is every three or four months, they add uh, two new operators. And so they added the final ones for the first year, Habana and Dadko. Um, mm -hmm. But with that patch, they also redid uh, Destruction to the game, which at least to me, like greatly improved my enjoyment because um, it made the destruction on walls look much more realistic. Uh, it made shotguns pack more of a punch, so you can like just punch holes very satisfactorily right through a, right through a wall. It made like different uh, like firing a small little pistol round versus a, a big assault rifle round will make a very different sized hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. um, so it was around this time that they were like getting the getting the cheating stuff uh, figured out. They were just adding better mechanics so they like refining their own stuff and then adding really interesting operators like Habana and Echo like completely changed things for for a long time there was a those are two those are still two some of the uh, most interesting operators in the game even now that we have like an additional 10 since then so yeah it was I think it was around it was also around that time that they started doing the free weekends more and they Mm -hmm. started just getting the game in front of more people and started re and people would just play it and they're like this doesn't feel like the busted thing that I heard about a year ago mm -hmm. yeah I also found out um, June 2016 was when they when uh, Ubisoft released a different version of Rainbow Six Siege like called the uh, starter edition which is it's, it's just like $15 it's it's it's, it's, it's the, the only price it's gonna, gonna ever be it's it's more or less like the free-to-play edition it kind of is, it's just hard yeah harder to unlock um different different um different operatives and yeah so they it, different skins it you pay 15 dollars opposed as opposed to like 40 dollars they're probably still charging for the standard edition um and that edition instead of instead of having the traditional unlocking period of like maybe you play two or three games and you've done a lot of new operator uh they upped that they upped that grind because you paid less for the game, and that was supposed to be the trade-off. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that did help a lot of people get into it, but I personally think that addition makes actually getting unlocking new operators much more a hassle and like kind of ridiculous. Um, Speaking as someone who did go in <laughs> into the starter edition this past weekend and bought it, um, I can verify it is fairly difficult to unlock an operative you have to like go through the all these situations and get all the all three of those gold stars yeah there in, in like every situation to at least get enough of that currency to unlock an operative or two and what's especially annoying is that for 
just in this last patch, um, the for everybody who owns the the standard edition or the advanced edition or anything more expensive than that, um, retroactively they've unlocked now every starter op, all the all the first twenty that came with the jam originally, but oh, at wow. no additional okay. cost. But I believe to the starter edition people, uh, you're still you're still having to grind. Peanuts. Here you go. Here's some peanuts for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is. I mean, I'm glad that they did that for for uh, all the other players, yeah, but but rewarding it, uh, previous players. Yeah, they just realized that like there's nothing really fun about grinding for for ops, but they still have that for the starter edition, so it feels out of place still. And that's hey. that's kind of the story of Siege is a really great game and like really <laughs> really strange and mostly sometimes bad decisions around the edges of it. I gotcha, but you, you know, sometimes you just be you just want to play a siege, you know, sledge the entire time, you know. That's true. I've had every op since the, my first week with the game, and I still play sledge more than most of them. <laughs> it's just so satisfying just to swing that hammer and break down that garage door. So yeah, I was at, I was watching the the Rainbow Six Invitational. They do like this once a year big coming together of all the pro teams, and they do like this big tournament, and that's also where they announce like the next year of content. Um, and they were talking about operator balance and sledge who's like kind of the marquee one of the marquee operators for the game who's just a dude who carries a motherfucking sledgehammer <laughs> um that he can just bust open any destructible wall with uh they were talking they were talking about him being like the epitome of balance he has great guns he has a great ability but he's not overpowered and that just made me so happy because he has always been one of my favorites and it was it was, it was good to see him get that recognition yeah, that, that was the first uh, operative I, I unlocked. Because like, it's like, oh man, that, that guy seems cool as hell. Absolutely great choice. There's, I fucking <laughs> love Sludge. I'm, I'm terrible with him. I, I always opt for like the, uh, gosh, the other operative that's right next to him. Thatcher. And set down like, you know, the, the, the opening 30 seconds where um, attackers can go find the bomb or the hostage right. and scout a different um, op four, the opposition operatives. And see where they're camping at, or just like w w what what their abilities have, but just more or less just trying to like prevent that from. So you're talking about like mute who sets down his little jammers. Mutes, yes, okay. that's the one. Mute. Yeah, 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 he's also one of my favorites. I love the jammers because it's also interesting because every time they add new operators, it seems like mute gets more interesting because he starts being able to turn off more people's or disable more people's stuff. Like Lion, mm -hmm. Lion, the most recent one of the most recent attackers, he does this crazy scan that if you move during it, you get spotted for the enemy team. Um, oh, but it, dang! But if you're anywhere within the range of a jammer, uh, that just gets negated instantly. So it's it's fun. Those are little things I could use ahead of time before playing last night. Cause my gosh, mm -hmm. um, the enemy kept on um, throwing out different uh, scans, and I. I kept on being found, you know? Yeah, it's... The game is not... The, game, the tutorials that the game does have are so baseline and yeah, almost embarrassing for, for how much of the game is, is learning how deep the um, counters and counters counters to counters uh, Who's go. good against who? Right, yeah. and what, what interacts with what and how. Uh, the, the actual game does nothing to help you with that. Yeah, learn as you go. Mm -hmm. But I actually found out that... Hmm, through the various research, when they added that anti-cheating software on top of the uh, $15 starter edition, and after year one, it's it, 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 like Velvet Shell, Operation Velvet Shells, um, that, uh, that uh, new operation 
where they introduced Coastline and two new other uh, operatives. I think that may have been the turn where you, you just woke up one day and you know found it out like Rainbow Six Siege is kind of a thing now, isn't it? It's it kind of I, you know it's interesting. It, it, like I said, that's about when I got in. It was after yeah, it was it, after Red Crow, was, which is the previous DLC, and in that period in between the new year starting with Velvet Shell, and as Velvet Shell got going, I was like, oh, this is. This is awesome. This is something else, just, yeah. Just like those ops, Mira and Jackal that you're talking about added with that are some of the coolest operators in the game right next to the other ones I was talking about. Uh, so to those who are not familiar at all with uh, how uh, Rainbow Six Siege operates, they um, have uh, three seasons per year, right? They do four seasons. Th four seasons, okay. They do four seasons, and they obviously take place in, in, a, in a general season, where like a short span, like let's say like a month, right? Or there's like a they're usually about usually like, about three months. Um, three months. It's, okay. kinda, it's actually spread out pretty evenly throughout one whole year. Oh, um, so like an actual season. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and at the same. <laughs> the name. And similar to Overwatch, they they'll have like a ranked season that goes along that same time that mm. ends at the end of that season, which sort of reboots. But each season brings two new operatives, a new map. And just just a g general like oh well let's reset the rankings let's, let's start this over right they reset again. the range they do a pass on mm -hmm. any any buffs or nerfs they want to introduce it's kind of a fresh start for the next few months usually mm -hmm. but it, it, it's it's knowing that turn and knowing what we're going to be talking about today I think it's kind of funny like like you know where where this turn oh right as the as, as the map we're going to be talking about in coastline yeah yeah my my favorite map. Uh, coastline is the one that came out around where we're talking about the game kind of came into its own um, and uh, I mean we can just start talking the map is mm -hmm. I don't I don't think I don't think I'm in the majority as someone who loves who loves like, it's like my favorite map everybody kind of likes it uh, but, but I don't think most people love it as much as I do but um, I, you're my guest on my show so who cares? You're fine. Okay, that's fair enough. I <laughs> I love it because it's so simple. It's probably the most simple map they've ever put out. Um, right. And it still feels perfectly dense, like a, a siege map should to me. Because um, a lot of it, like uh, another uh, an example of a map that came out later in the year that's really complicated called Theme Park is just this uh, labyrinth. Like it feels like an actual maze once you get inside of rooms and different floors and mm -hmm. and like how do I get f how do I even get out of this room? How do I get across the map? Um, and you slowly learn, and that's fine. Um, and like other maps, like uh, Falava or uh, oh gosh, Tower. Those other two like it also come to mind. Which it's like I don't know where I'm going, and there, there's like there's multiple buildings in in this. In this map, and I don't know which way it goes where, and there's obvious choke points. Yeah, they're very they, they can get very dense, and it it just it degrades from from being able to have fun until you really really learn them. Right. Um, Coastline I love because it's really fun and simple, and it kind of always is because um, it's basically a square. Like if you look at top of it, it's not a perfect square, but it, it essentially in layout is a square. Um, if you imagine like a a square that you run around the edges of, like the edges are a hallway. Um, mm -hmm. Along those hallways are rooms that you can break off into um, to the outside. But basically, everything is connected by just one series of hallways around a square. Uh, and not just that, but um, it also has this giant um, exterior and like dead center in the building. 
where like you, it, it actually ha makes the roof an actual great entry point right. for, for the attackers. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's the first time they did this sort of thing where this this courtyard that exists inside the middle of the building that was exposed to the roof, or you know, it's like a skylight essentially, um, where. If you enter the as an attacker, if you enter the roof, you can look down into the middle of the map and get all the get a bunch of interesting angles that people have to account for. Um, exactly. But it's also interesting because that courtyard usually, the law of, of siege is that, as a defender, if you go outside after a few seconds, you're going to get spotted by the team because it's because mm -hmm. it's you're supposed to be an inside game and you can pop out for a second, try to get a kill, but that's how it works. Uh, that courtyard, even though it's outside, is totally fair game for the defenders. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that that was kind of a unique thing that they added with the map too. Um, and another thing too, it's it's one of the few maps that I see that it's like, oh man, you can, you can really tell that you're playing the coastline map because there's there's so much vibrant neon colors yeah, it's, going everywhere. It's there's beautiful. Billboard, billboard serial. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful, really especially good. the exterior. Like, I, I think all the maps look really good on the outside, but this one kind of went above and beyond to me. Like, especially for. Because all these maps, as we're talking about, they're basically they're usually just one centralized building with a bunch of fluff on the outside that doesn't really matter. Because you, the goal is to get inside as soon as possible. Um, exactly. But yeah. they spend so much time on all this outside fluff, and you look around once in a while, and you're just like, "Wow, this looks really great out here." Um, I mean, it would be good for like a situation, like like, like a single player or like a terrorist hunt mode, where it's like, "Yeah, there's obviously going to be enemies on the outside." I mean, nice little like flavor dressing the exterior but if you're playing like 5v5 the, you know, the, the thing you're actually here for the multiplayer and so it's like this is not needed at all yeah it's not it, but they they still spend a lot of time on it and it mm -hmm. always impresses me so yeah coastline is, is generally like a medium-sized two-story building yeah it's actually it's, it's pretty small pretty smaller medium size compared to most maps and um, mm -hmm. I want to draw particular attention to the penthouse area uh, that's next to the theater on the second floor. Uh, it's I, I want to call that place out because it's the most interesting place to to defend or attack, at least to me, in the map. Uh, the penthouse itself has this really big centralized window that is usually the first thing that the defend that the attackers try to come through. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always interesting and to be inside the penthouse trying to counter that window while also trying to worry about people come from the bathroom or the theater and yada yada um there's so many areas to this it's like where are they gonna go where are they gonna come in from right and it's and you know so much of the game so so much of why it can remain interesting for so long is that you can reinforce and defend an objective a hundred different ways like you have to every defender has to choose where to spend their reinforced walls so that they're covered from one way but probably not another way and you just have to have to account for it um and the destruction just makes everything so dynamic that, and I just think this objective really highlights that. Yeah, that's another thing I found out too when playing Coastline. There's a lot more um, uh, destructible walls and in, in, uh, cover in this in this map in particular. Like when you go to like a different map, when you see like, oh, this is obviously concrete or something that you can't really like bust open. Or it's just too solid, or like you can never, you can never tell if, if you can break it down. There's a language not, to the game one. that you learn over time. Of like, you look at a wall and you're like, oh, that's obviously destructible, or oh, that's probably not destructible. Mm -hmm. If it looks like concrete, it's not destructible. But if it looks like drywall yeah. or wood, it's destructible. Um, and I think that's interesting about 
how much destructibility there's just like since everything is on a square like i said and everything sort of touches the edge of the map um there's not destructible walls on the very edge of the map there almost never is with, with the map so there's a lot of destructible walls on the inside like the the core of what you mm -hmm. what would be the square uh and especially if you go to the second floor in the billiards room um that's a spot that you have to defend on secure area and um bomb site there's a whole entire wall that looks out to the courtyard that's entirely we call it soft walls if they can be breached hmm. um, so that entire wall if you don't if you don't reinforce it which takes four reinforcements just blow that entire wall open to the courtyard so somebody watching all the way from up on the roof on the other side of the map <laughs> could be looking right into your objective and you step inside like you know obviously attackers have the long range guns they have the advantage there so I found that a few times just just like playing siege in general like on that map like it was like oh my gosh how did I get sniped or like how did I just die like oh there's somebody outside in the courtyard upside down and just just like looking right, <laughs> right. in it's like any other any idiots trying to walk by here so hide someone who broke nope. someone who broke a microscopic hole or shot one little hole through a <laughs> through a wooden barricade that you can see through because that's what this game is you can see through a tiny little hole and if you see someone walk past it you can shoot right through that hole into oh their head god that is another like great little detail like, i keep on seeing like uh, other uh, players when i'm defending is you just you're just just like shooting like little like a little tiny hole and you can just like peek right out of yeah yeah it's a it's like it's a common strategy yeah. to make what is called a murder hole uh Murder hole. Which is a, you just, <laughs> if you just melee a soft wall, a uh, destructible wall, you make that a little, uh -huh. make that a, a little bit of barrel-sized uh, hole in it. You can just sort of peek through, very, very precisely. So if you, I take it, glory hole was out of the question. <laughs> once you get a kill out of that, yeah, I guess it becomes a glory hole if you actually get. That's, I would say, <laughs> I would say it's a glory hole if you're the attacker who happens upon a murder hole. <laughs> and and you see and and you see it and you're just like I wonder if someone's looking through there right now and then you shoot right into that hole and someone's <laughs> on the other side you get them right in the head that is it's another form of penetration yeah exactly that that is really satisfying <laughs> it's really cool it's like my favorite kind of kind of deal to get because it's this game the game's all about what I love about it is that I don't have to be an amazing like it I don't have to always be really good at shooting to to do well which I feel like just how Counter Strike works uh, the game really rewards intelligent like just knowing how the game works and and predicting behavior and that sort of thing right um, right right down to and it's not, it's not always about who's shooting faster it's just like who notices that there's a murder hole there and someone's probably on the other side of it or who recognizes that if you heard someone walking on the other side of this wall they're probably in that corner you can shoot right through the wall to where they are and probably get a kill you know like, right I, I had one scenario happen where somebody laid down a uh, bear trap and I got caught in it, and it's like, oh crap, uh, oh, this is a bear trap, I didn't even see it. And then so it's like, oh, no one else is around. I'm like, oh, hopefully my teammate will come and help me. And then the teammate comes over, it's like, oh, cool, you helped me up. Like, bam, here comes the uh, op four, the, the opposition coming in. It's like, it's like, I've been waiting for you. Yeah. I've been waiting for you two, two for one, yeah. oh boy. They knew, they knew you were in the trap, and they just waited for mm -hmm. uh, the teammate to come help you and baited, baited them out. It's, it's classic. Yeah, it, it's just another like little thing I, I, I just kind of like, like really enjoy about this game because you only you only have one one life to live in, in each round and the rounds are just so quick like even if you die you can still help, help out the team and just like go search for like if you're playing the defenders you can go through the uh, security cameras and you can mark different um, 
opposition. Just to see if like they were like, oh crap, there's a guy just like uh, spawning over here, or it's like walking down this hallway that they forgot to take out this camera. It's like, well, well, I yeah. found you. I always there's this guy. That's, that's probably <laughs> that's probably the single most unique thing that I've never seen in another game period. Um, is the is the way that you can still be useful after death and just mm -hmm. by helping out your team. I always I always tell my friends and joke to them that I wish there was an operator that just stayed on the cameras the whole time because right, right. <laughs> because that's what I would be amazing at. If I, that's what I enjoy so much. I enjoy being the eye in the sky and telling somebody, hey, someone's coming up through the east hallway right now. They're about to peek you, they're about to peek you, and then they're ready for it and they get them. That uh, would be incredible if you had... Um if you had like if you're playing with mics, but I I know I don't, but I just love just like hitting hitting five and just looking through like okay where where are they coming in and just like oh X X right. X yeah you can they're here they're here right and yeah if you don't have mics they have the ability you can just mark them and it sort of mm -hmm. does a little temporary ping exactly where they were um, and you always curse yourself like oh no no the meter's not gone it's not here yet <laughs> right right they're gone yeah and the, and. And they know what's interesting about their game, and that's why they've added they added someone like Valkyrie, whose entire job is to throw out three more cameras into the mix mm -hmm. uh, that are sticky, so that she can throw them anywhere where it'll stick. Um, and they're also 360 degrees and colored, so they're like really clear, cool, uh, much more useful cameras. And like the creativity that people totally. that I've seen people use to decide where to throw those things is just amazing. Like I'll I'll die, and then I'll go onto the cameras and be like seen all these really important angles and just let the nodes zap and people mm -hmm. are coming from it's like wow that it, it, or if you have if you have like a really good um operative on, on the attacker side they know how to where, where to place their little uh rc car yeah or to position that camera oh, for like whoever's dead me, oh. yeah, me and my friends also joked about how we would love to just if, if they just broke off the drone game into its own game a drone hide and hide and seek <laughs> Because we love, we <laughs> love those, those first 45 seconds where we did to drive around the drone and try to hide it somewhere where they won't find it. Or they do find us, we try to run away from them and zid and zad around <laughs> while they're, they're trying to shoot. It's absolutely a blast. I, I usually try to like, well, they see me. Well, I'm just going to jump around in, in front of them and, and hopefully they, they shoot up in the air and hit, hit each other. Which, which did happen once, and it was immensely satisfying. That's, that's the absolute best when you, someone just carelessly firing, and you just <laughs> even worse when it's the hostage. When it's, when it's the hostage mode, and they and you drive your drone to the hostage, and they, they just, just injure shoot, hostage. They shoot the yep. hostage in the head. <laughs> uh, and especially with that drone game, that thought, thought about just going off topic again. But what makes it so fun to play hide and seek like that is that. Um, most games, like if there was a room with a bookshelf in it, basically, the bookshelf is just one big, perfect, one yeah. one big solid block. Um, uh, usually, or just you find like a desk somewhere that they're, they're not really right. But in most games, in most games, that that desk or that or that bookcase would just be this giant block that sort of has a hitbox around it where you can't really go into it. Mm -hmm. But since everything has such a precise like hitbox and kind of an insane degree in this game, you can tuck yourself in between two books on that bookshelf as long as you fit. And, wow. and that can be your little that can be your little camera spot, or you can jump your way up to like inside of a pot if you happen to fit in it. And, like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you can really see in that pot though. Though no, no. If it's <laughs> it, but there's you know there's cases where like oh you can jump on top of the bomb itself because that has like red lights on it, so your red light on your drone won't be seen as well. That's Incognito and plain sight. Really, nice. Really fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, like there's plenty of bookcases in the. And coastline I, I found that too 
I mean, it's, it's it's really ornate. It seems like a like a party house or like some rock star's house or s some rich person's house. It's like, yeah, I've got all these guitars lined up on walls. I got my own hookah lounge. Right, right. Yeah, they always do all out since these, since these maps. They're you know a lot of a lot of maps and games are are based around like just one location and like if there's other if there's other rooms or whatever they're mostly just closed off or they're empty or whatever but like we're talking about mm -hmm. every map is its own floor plan and every single room has a purpose like there's nothing not used in the in the building um so I, i'm always impressed with these maps because it must take an incredible amount of design work to not only decide what the layout of a place should be so that it's balanced but to also decide what to put in there so that it feels natural feels like an actual place um because you know, you compare it to a Call of Duty map where everything's just basically three lanes with some with some eye candy in between, um, mm -hmm. or you know, the Halo map where it's kind of a circle with stuff in between. Like that takes its own design work. But there's kind of never really been maps like Rainbow Six that have to be designed in a super it, it specific feels way. Lived in. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not just like, oh well, uh, somebody broke the copier and it, you know exploded the copier and like all this paper is flying around. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm like, well, well, that's 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 the map here. Yeah, exactly. It's there's there's such a disparity between the detail in these maps and in most games that uh, it's really impressive once you actually sit, once you actually take a second and look around. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I found out like a, like the actual ruins portion of the uh, map. Like I, I when I was like first playing, it's like, oh wait, is this the actual house? Like, oh no, right. no, this is just right. like so, some other part of it's just like. A, like a little, like a little uh, lookout post. Right. The most you can really use it for is maybe a little sniper tower, but you go into it and exactly. it's like really beautiful little section of old, old ancient ruins. But again, like it, it gives enough of that. Uh, oh gosh, that that outside, like beautiful landscape of, of just again like a lived-in feel, or it's like hey, this is a genuine home. But also, it's not that big right. to where like it's, it's, you get, you get lost or like not know where the actual objective is and where to go. And it's and it's worth noting that the um, that the every, every map uh, that's released alongside a season of content, like Velvet Shell, for example, we're talking about with Coastline, that released alongside the Velvet Shell Operation, which released alongside Jackal and Mira, both of which are Italian operators in the GEO, which is a counterterrorism mm -hmm. unit there. Um, and coastline itself is they're working on a big theme, yeah. Right, and coastline itself is is takes place in Italy, and it's very you can you can tell it's the Italian coastline. It's beautiful. Um, I always really appreciate that that theming of it because you know they did later on they did Operation um, Blood Orchid, which is two Chinese operators, and and this um, map took place in this abandoned theme park in Shanghai. And, wow. Okay. Uh, so they they go all out when they're when they're designing these, this stuff in the way that. Uh, doesn't always feel necessary, but I, I appreciate it. Gotcha. Any other thoughts on Coastline? You know, as far as like the other objectives, I think they're all fun in their own way, and just like every map, they also, it also has issues. One of the biggest issues in almost any map is the way that uh, spawn peaking can happen, um, which is when a defender, as soon as the attackers spawn outside, the defender sort of busts open a door and runs out and tries to kill them before they even have a chance to really do anything. Um, hmm. And this 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 map has one particular area in which that's a problem, which is the balcony um, balcony on the second floor coming out of the aquarium is a is a really popular spot for people. If you spawn in the ruins, they'll come out and try to peek you immediately. And 
it's counterable, you know, it's just kind of uh, lame when it happens to you. Um, and that sort of thing. And, that, and that I think the maps could be designed better at times to prevent that from being such a, a, a doable strategy. Prevent it from actually like enacting and spawn killing. So right. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, are you, are you trying to are you trying to just just game the system or actually try to play the game? Exactly. Like sometimes, like running out can be important because it can counter some important some mm -hmm. some plays sometimes, and it can be impressive. But I think there's a balance to strike in which you're running out to kill people in their spawn, and you're running out to to kill someone that's just like outside and just sort of mandering around. But now that you mentioned that strategy, I am marking that down. <laughs> right, it, dude. Everybody does it. I mean, I I <laughs> I never do just because I don't think it's fun. Uh, I'm sure you don't. I'm yeah. More, we, they call what I do anchoring, which is when you stay on the objective and you're usually a much heavy heavier operator who likes to you can hold down the point better because you have more health essentially. Mm -hmm. All that armor and the giant shield exactly. if you have it, you know. What what operative do you normally play as? So what what two operatives? I play as a lot of oper operators because I have them all. But the ones that I tend to um, do best with and I enjoy the most on defense is uh, one of the base operators, Rook. It's one of the was always mm. the first one person that I suggest that people unlock when they're new to the game because all he has to do for his ability is set down a badge of armor that everybody can pick up and put on a, another plate of armor. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, he's great because he helps everybody stay alive longer. He has good guns. Uh, it's really easy to play. Um, but I also... Plenty of armor too. Okay. Yeah, and I really enjoy hmm. playing him just because a lot of what makes the operators fun is a divide between their guns and their ability. So those are the, those are the things that differentiate the operators and their speed. Uh, and he just strikes a lot of out of your balance with me. And on attack, Jackal is one of my favorites alongside Sledge. Jackal, who is what does Jackal do? Jackal, who is released alongside Coastlines, kind of his map. Um, he has a he wears a visor that he can turn on at any time, and on the ground he can see enemy footprints that are old, old enemy footprints. Mm. And it has this whole scale of how you can tell how old they are because of the the color, because it goes on a temperature scale. If they're red, they're really recent, and if they're blue, they're from a while ago. Um, and if he's looking at a footprint, he can track it, and that will track all the way to where that defender currently is. And it'll, it does like a little, kind of like a pain like you would on the camera, where it kind of shows a snapshot of their location. And it'll sort of, it'll mm. update that snapshot over the next like 30 seconds. Like every, every like five oh, wow. seconds of show, it'll be like, oh, now he's here. Oh, now he's here. Oh, now he's here. Um, so he's... So that's pretty good against like 1v1 play. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really great for that. It's really great for hunting down the roamers, that, which is like we're talking mm -hmm. about, someone who runs <laughs> off the point and would try to run out on you. Um, really, really good for trying to... The flankers. Really yeah. good for trying to punish that sort of play. Uh, really fun for me. So you mentioned you had some uh, honorable mentions. Yes. About like three of them out of the uh, 16 or so maps involved. Is there any of them you want to start with first? Yes, there's one map that I like almost just as much as Coastline. Um, it's also a favorite among most people, I think. It's called Clubhouse. It's one of the base maps that came out with the game. Um, oh, that's the one with the uh, stripper, stripper pole. Yeah, right? yeah, it has a whole strip club. There it's, you this, go. Okay. it's based on this like biker bar uh, sort of sort of aesthetic. And um, I really like that map just because of the layout. Just is really satisfying. It's kind of an, it's almost an un. I can't really put it into words that well, but it just I think every objective on it, except for maybe one. Um, is really well designed. Uh, it has a has a really cool. It's definitely 
one of those maps that just you, feels like a natural place as soon as you step in. Um, has a really cool aesthetic and even kind of like a sleazy bar kind of, but it's also mm-hmm. also a front for a uh, cultish uh, cultish like gathering place underneath the map as well as a drug business on the other side of the map there's like this room that has like cocaine everywhere and cash and then there's like a <laughs> and then there's this sort of like fucking sons of anarchy church sort of area like underneath the map with the armory a bunch of guns and everything so it's it, it's probably one of the most uh, one of the most more subtle examples of trying to tell a story of this place as environmental you, storytelling right, oh, yeah. for how much that actually matters as you're playing the multiplayer map but it's one of the, I, I didn't even notice takes, that well that's the thing it takes damn. a while you have to like just bang your head against this game for hundreds of hours so you get to the point where you're looking around the map actually wondering why the hell this stuff is placed where it is <laughs> but once you do you have like a different understanding or a different appreciation of it too and it's kind of awesome um, piecing together the dots you know yeah, and I, yeah. I love I love Clubhouse because I want to I want to call out specifically the uh, let's see I think I'd call out the bar area because I think the bar is an interesting place to defend because it's really wide open it's kind of connected to a lot of entrances but it can be it can have a pretty interesting uh, defense if you were secured in the right places um, and I want to call out the garage because that's an awful place. That if you ever play the garage on Clubhouse, you know what I mean because it's this wide open room where you feel like you can't hide anywhere in it, and there's this mm-hmm. there's this railing that goes around the top of it that just you have to climb a ladder to get up there, and it's it just sucks. Like a little tiny second floor, which, exactly. is, which is pretty pretty decent for defenders, but like terrible for attackers. It's ter- I think out. it's kind of terrible for both. Uh, it's it just feels like nobody who is having to attack or defend that place is having any fun. Okay. Yeah. To me. Um, <laughs> but it's actually what's interesting about Clubhouse specifically is that um, in the past few months, they're, they're, when they're sort of laying out their year three plans, um, this is a map that's getting a, a rework. So they're literally they're yeah. literally changing entire parts of the map. They're going to add a whole hallway where there wasn't one that sort of connects an outside area. Um, they're adding like a staircase that sort of changes how you can rotate to different to the to the bottom floor, which is one of the best parts of the map to defend as well, like the bottom floor area. Um, yeah, I, I found out just like looking at the map and playing it that there's there's a the, the French porch area where like the entire building kind of like makes like a like a U shape, <laughs> but like yeah. the, the actual like m- middle portion of the U, the the outdoor portion seems like a pretty decent area to breach into, you know, like the the bar area or the strip club or the garage, like through different entry points through the, the rappel or just a breach in the first floor. Which like I, I found like it's like you know what that's pretty neat because I I normally don't like out like being outside and like dealing with being outside as an attacker because because like I, I I'd rather not be outside and just be inside the building but when you when you're inside the building you you're kind of like hamstrung into like well I have to go down this hallway but I know the next the next room over is where everyone is and they're all expecting me. All right well, one of the most powerful places you can open up is. If you go into the strip club on the uh, west side of the map um, and open up those walls into the pool table area that goes into bar, um, that is a really powerful position to like to over to overcome. And that is kind of an example of like an area that if you're on defense, you really want to focus on that spot and make sure they don't open that up because that that, oh. that that creates a lot of problems for you. Um, yeah, I. Hmm. I this this, game, this map in particular, I think, has a lot of interesting things to consider. Kind of keeps 
keeps being interesting even after hundreds of hours. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's 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 two two buildings here and there, but it seems like there's a lot of like medium range battles going on, and that's that's, that's mostly it. there's not a lot of not, not that much variety. Once you get into the actual like basement part of it, that, that then we get kind of like a much more much. A little more different in, in terms of like battles. Yeah, basement's really basement uh, might even be over be more interesting over the bar if I really think about it. Because basement is when you watch the Rainbow Six Pro League, the esports portion of the game. Like you people, you see people play this map, they always go to the basement first. They choose to to defend the basement first because it is they consider it to be the most easily defended one. Um, and for good reason, mm -hmm. it does have all these entrances, right? You can go in from the garage to this to this ladder and sort of and sort of flank from the blue hallway. But you can you can see it a mile away, yeah. yeah. And there's also this a dirt there's this uh they call it a tunnel called escape tunnel, which is part of the lore. It's literally an escape tunnel for if these fucking <laughs> drug lords ever got found out, they could escape through this tunnel that leads to the outside of the map. Um, but attackers can come in through that this like hidden container outside that turns into a tunnel. Uh, and come into come in right into the arsenal room where they are. And you can also come down the central stairs. You can we haven't really talked about it much, but there's also hatches in the in the map that uh, are hatches you can break down the ground that, that you can drop through to, to drop one floor. And those are all over the place in this map, so I think it's fun to defend but also completely gives you a lot of options on attack to, to make it happen. Gotcha. So the next honorable mention is another map with the letter C. Consulate. Yes. Consulate. This one, this one, I feel like is kind of considered like one of the flagship maps of the game. Kind of. It's another one that kind of like Coastline. I enjoy that it's, it's only two floors because it, mm -hmm. it simplifies things on a. Actually, sorry, I'm mistaken. It is three floors, but they're all they all, they all feel very connected because there's kind of stairs everywhere. Um, so, so right. to me, that makes it feel a little the, less complicated. Yeah, the the, the quote unquote fourth floor, the roof, like it's it's another map where it's like that doesn't matter that much, except for like breaching. Right, and well, this console is a little unique because, and it's kind of interesting to watch because even though I think the layout is pretty easy to understand, it's also huge. Like mm -hmm. east to west, it's a yeah. wide map. Um, and I want to call out the. Uh, what is this on the second floor? It's called the administration office. I don't. It's another one where I don't think that it's like famously the favorite place to defend or anything. But I really enjoy it because it's this. It just feels. It just feels kind of cool to be in this office that's literally just a bunch of dumb cubicles all together. Right. Um, and you feel kind of surrounded at all times, but in a way that's kind of fun to to uh, counter because there's these windows that face the east and the south. Uh, that they can be broken open at any time from people that are like, you know, grappling outside and that sort of thing. Um, and you're trying to counter, and you're trying to like counter these people that are coming up from one side of the hallway and the other side of the hallway. Um, for me, it's a really satisfying spot to defend and reinforce. Yeah, yeah. There just seems to be like a lot of, uh, oh, I say, unpredictability in that administrative office because, like, you're, like again, there's so many ways to breach into from just just from the outside. But again, like where where do you defend? Where, where do you huddle up? It seems like you can, you can either spread out and, and, and throughout that office, or you can spread out as the attackers. Yeah. If you're breaching. As you play more, you kind of realize that naturally some people are going to gravitate towards being roamers, where as soon as the round starts, they might reinforce a bit, but then they'll just leave. 
Uh, and that, I just bounce, and I used yeah. to get, I used to get kind of frustrated at that. Like, why aren't you just staying on the point where it's safer? But I slowly realized that, like, it is an important part of the. First of all, it's an important part of the game to roam because uh, you can catch a lot of attackers off guard that way, and it's an important part to sort of mm -hmm. important way to get an early advantage in the round. Um, but secondly, because you don't really want all five teammates trying to cram, <laughs> don't try and cram into one objective, even a bigger one like admin office, like I'm talking about. Um, it's you don't want everybody trying to cram in nearby because someone's gonna like you might have a spot that you really like to, to chill at that someone else is also gonna want to be at um, and when and when all the good spots are kind of taken like where you want to chill um, you, you kind of have to stand in a, in a less than great spot so once the shit actually pops off you might be at a disadvantage anyways because you're trying to sort of cram yourself into this room um, so I I think this map is also really good for for roamers, so that's so wide open and can hide in a lot of places. Yeah, again, the, the, these rooms are large. Just, just just like going off memory and just like noticing, it's like yeah, it's it's technically I don't know three three floors if you're not if you're counting the basement, but it's still like these are big areas that they're actually surprisingly pretty good if you have like a long like a scoped weapon there. Yeah, and there's kind of like. A lot, a lot of what you get into higher level play, you start um, thinking about what to open as a rotation hole, they call it. That's when you're on defense mm -hmm. and you open up a wall with like an impact grenade, which is like a grenade that's just designed to make a hole in a wall. Um, you make holes in the walls deliberately to open up sight lines that you want them to come from, even though originally you'd be like, why would I break any walls? I just want to reinforce them so they can't break them, but you're you're breaking yeah. walls to your own advantage. Uh, and Because if you're somebody like Rook, who has who can put an ACOG, an ACOG site, which is like a more zoom, you know, more scopey weapon, um, as opposed to most defenders who can only do like a holographic or a red dot, something that's pretty close range. Uh, Rook can go longer range, so he can open up potentially longer range sight lines and counter the attackers who are them who are themselves who all have ACOGs uh, more long range already. So you can kind of battle them at your own game. Create a nice little hole so you can see into the next room and see if anyone's coming in. Oh yeah, sounds good. Any other thoughts on consulates? No, it's one of my favorites. I also want to call it the garage as being an interesting place to defend <laughs> because the garage always... Uh, many maps have a garage and it's always interesting because the garage means there's garage doors and garage doors are just these gigantic doors that if you don't reinforce or you let them break, if you let them break away anyways it's gonna be a huge problem so I think it's I always think it's fun for garage because it's all about the focus is always on just trying to save the garage door itself from being opened <laughs> using up your two reinforced walls and all that time right. and effort to just bandits putting those. down bandit batteries trying to electrify it so that they can't break it open any other way <laughs> it's crazy I gotcha um the last map you wanted to mention is border which is another map that I think I've had a lot of fond memories of a lot like a a lot of rooms, a lot of tiny rooms that you can kind of sort of get lost in, and a lot of destructible walls as well. Like I found out like there's a lot of wood. Yeah, it's a very wood-heavy map, that's for sure. And and especially if you're if you're looking on the same website I am looking at this map, you see you'll see that a lot of the second floor um, has a red has a red sort of uh, slanted graphic across most of the mm -hmm. floors. That means that those floors themselves are reachable. Um, it doesn't mean that you can jump between those floors, it just means that you can open up and you'll see, you'll break the wood essentially between the places and they'll just be like these metal 
girders in between, so you can't move in between them, but you can see between them. So somebody like Buck, whose whose ability is this little master key shotgun on the on the rail of his gun, um, he can use that shotgun to quit very quickly open up sight lines from below up. So that even though you're you're a rook and you're holding down this angle really well, mm-hmm. suddenly the floor beneath you is fucking blowing up and, <laughs> and he's shooting you right through it and because he droned you out or something, you know, he drove his drone in and saw you and spotted you and knew exactly where to shoot. Um, so that that's that's kind of interesting about borders that so much of the map is just covered in in floor that you can break. I'm I'm not seeing that that higher level play on on border where like somebody's actually using that um, destructible floor to like shoot down from that much. It, it, it takes it's something that requires map knowledge, which is mm-hmm. kind of the last part of the hurdle of this game is map knowledge because there's so many maps. Uh, each one that we've talked about is so dense and so complicated that you're probably going to be lost for your first like ten hours, just regardless. On top of that, knowing which areas are great for uh, um, snipers to camp in, like you're, there's this one operative that like I I, I, I don't want to say I constantly die from, but like it's it's always noticed when it's like, yep, this is the one where he's they're, they're always camping outside, and they have the one with the with the uh, with, with the switch scope where you can yeah, that's glass. Yeah. He's the he's uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. like marquee sniper of the game. There's really no one like him. He has this mm-hmm. really powerful DMR weapon that. He has a, a scope that he can sort of like slap onto the in front of the normal sight. That he and with that <laughs> scope, when he's looking through and he sees an enemy, they are glowing red or yellow, I should say. Oh yeah. Um, so he if he looks into a room and he sees like suddenly this little glowing foot underneath a desk, that's your foot, and he's about to shoot it and twice and probably kill mm-hmm. you. Um, he can also that, that, that scope that. also allows him to see through smoke, so he can throw out smoke grenades into a room. And, mm-hmm. and as long as he's looking through a scope, he just ignores the smoke and you can see right through it. So it's kind of wild. Yeah, that, that was another thing too. Like I remember this one time where I, I was facing... Um, uh, I, I was killed by that operative. And it's like, how the hell? Did I, I was I was over by cover. Like, I don't get it. But like, I, I, you, you check the death, death cam and it's like, oh, you know, just, just like uh, two shots in the ass. <laughs> right. dead. Or I, I hate when I get killed by him sometimes and I notice that in the kill cam, I got killed because there was a tiny bullet hole in the wall that I was standing next mm-hmm. to, and through that bullet hole he saw yellow. So, if he saw yellow, so he knew <laughs> that was a guy there, and he just started shooting straight through it into me. You know, can't really fault anyone but me. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's how he feels balanced because there's a lot of other situations in which mm-hmm. he absolutely sucks. Um, you don't want to be glass in like really close quarter situations. <laughs> um, is done super loud. It takes forever to re- or takes forever to shoot. Like a load. So like everything, almost everything has a balance that I find perfectly acceptable. Even though sometimes it feels frustrating to get killed by them. Yeah, nothing too. When you have like a hostage situation in the security room, I, I always find like I think it's the security room, but uh, no, no, first floor. The uh, oh gosh, I think it's the customs inspection. That's the one. Yeah. That's always one of it's, it's it's the most interesting uh, matches going on there because like, you have that little tiny like customs de- desk where, where the actual hostage is. So here I am playing as a captain, trying to like find like okay where where should I put my traps? Mm-hmm. I've got five of them and I gotta do it all in like thirty seconds or less on top of my reinforcements and all this other stuff. It's like where am I going with this? And then it always ends up like okay they they always avoid them, but just like like seeing the attackers like oh. 
of course they're in the one area that oh, <laughs> I, man, I didn't yeah. lay any I've just recently in. been playing Sup the supply I've room. just recently been playing a lot of Capdown, like who you're talking about, and he's always been one of my favorites. Um, recently started playing him more since they changed him a bit. Um, but I love... I mean, it's frustrating, like you said, when they end up not going through your traps because they just went a different way. Um, right. But he used to only have three, and now he has five, so it's actually you can cover a lot more ground with his traps, and... and, and a way that I like to make sure that they actually run into them and don't just spot them and shoot them first is that you, you put a barricade. You put a barricade on it, but you can also you also just want to go out okay. farther and put them in weirder places where you think they might go, uh, yeah. but they also won't be checking because if they know there's a cap can, they're going to check the doorways closer to the objective where you, where they where they mm -hmm. figure you put them. Um, but if you venture farther out and like put one on the very entrance to the entire building and that sort of thing, like. What's important is that you do the damage to the enemies. It does like sixty damage per trap, so it's right. You can get, you can get like you know halfway to a kill just by one going off. Nice, yeah, that's that's what I found out too. Just just playing as a Capkin, and it's it's like I need to know this map and where the spawn points are. To just know where to, I, I should actually put it. Should I put it by this window? Like it's, it's further out from our spawn point, or what exactly? That, that's that's yeah, why basically I, all this comes with the caveat that, like, I, I it's really easy for me to say all this, but I also know every map like the back of my hand. So, of course, I know where to put the traps or whatever. But like I said, <laughs> like I said, map knowledge is everything. It's detrimental. Uh, it is I, uh, for, as yeah. for as much fun as the gadgets are and the destructibility are, it's map knowledge and sound. Uh, if you if you can like learn the language of how to this game is so detailed with its sound, um, if you can learn how to like to hear footsteps down the hall and recognize because you know what the map is like where they are based on mm -hmm. what you're hearing, you get a lot of, of kills that way. It's really fun. Gotcha. Anything else you want to say about border? See border. Uh, I just said I, I think it's. The objectives themselves are really good. I think it's interesting that you can always shoot through the ground if you're talking about the second floor to first floor. Um, I want to call out the armory lockers. It's the on the second floor. It's a place to defend. It's probably the most popular place to defend. Um, it has this. If you look to the west of armory lockers, there's that destructible wall that goes to the place called the west balcony, and that place is always mm -hmm. a hot zone, man. Like that's always like the place where the defenders try to to go in first and like break those walls down. And if you look just to the south of the West Balcony, there's a room called Security Room. The, it's commonly referred to as CCTV, because it's like cameras, uh, surveillance systems in there and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's an interesting room to roam inside of if you're, if you're a defender, because while they're spending all this time on the West Balcony trying to get into the armory lockers, you can bust out the windows or the walls nearby and shoot them from behind there, and it's, and it's pretty satisfying if it works out. <laughs> gotcha. Well, um, before we close out the show, I do want to talk a little bit about the developer Ubisoft. Now, like with a lot of Ubisoft games, Ubisoft Montreal is the main studio, so it's not really surprising that Siege is listed as a Montreal game. But again, like most publishers, there are several satellite locations around the world providing support on huge titles like Siege. Like, I found out that uh, Ubisoft Barcelona in Spain and Ubisoft Toronto in Canada are the two supporting developers of Siege. Now, see, the Toronto studio is, is fairly new, but they do have credits to For Honor, Splinter Cell Blacklist, and pretty much every Far Cry game after the third, so 4, Primal, and 5. 
and Barcelona this, this is a little interesting one where it's like yeah you're playing this you're, you're the serious tactical shooter and like you're noticing like oh where, where are these developers also have credits in well I don't know the Raving Rabbids games the, the series there and your shape a Wii fitness game featuring a work <laughs> featuring your 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 workout buddy by the name of Jenny McCarthy known for being an anti-vaxxer and getting drunk on camera on New Year's Eve. So that's a fun little, little nugget, you know, like just just to see like where these developers are, like how far like some of these developers have come. Right. I, I've, I've thought about that too. Like you don't, you have a lot of indie developers when, that made uh, tactical shooters that come from come mm-hmm. from a background of always playing these games or coming from military themselves or, or what have you. Um, and it, and it feels it's it's kind of weird to me that Ubisoft is out here making like what I consider to be the best tactical shooter, and they're not the ones you would have really expected to do it. I mean, I know Rainbow <laughs> Rainbow Six has a history for for authenticity, like as far as Tom Clancy goes, but these games have never felt the way that this game does, as far as like you know how precise shooting is and that and that sort of thing. At least to me, like we're. It's always been a weird combination of first-person shooter and third-person shooter when you're on cover. Um, I'm d- this, this seems like a game that's very much like uh, it's it's like you can't climb a tower and uh, you know look around in three three hundred sixty degrees like in every other Ubisoft game. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I guess what's more surprising is that they exited the the, the generation of the older Rainbow Six games that were more tactical. Um, they entered this new generation mm-hmm. where all their games are more. Like you were talking about, open world, kind of a similar formula, and they made this really weird hybrid uh, tactical, right, tactical yeah. shooter, <laughs> but also with elements of hero shooters and that sort of thing. That's just super detailed. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, like I noticed that too. Like For Honor kind of has that similar template Dude, going on, but I'm not sure it's, how, it's the how, for, how that's going. Rainbow Six has defined the For Honor or the Ubisoft template for multiplayer games going forward. Like every every multiplayer game they're going to make is going to have this pattern. Um, For Honor's already doing it with its seasons, adding two new characters every time and a new map. Oh, um, they've okay. done the same exact thing. They have. Well, I think they're like four seasons in now as they're, as oh, they're wow. a year into it now. Um, and I, I, I'll bet on anything that that Stolen Bones game that they announced last year, that ship, that, ship, that pirate game, yeah. what is that going to be other than, other than pirate, pirate <laughs> ships of different types and abilities? Uh, battling each other that in ways in which their composition probably matters and their abilities can entwine like that's i'm sure they'll have new ships of content new maps and everything like that i'm sure it'll feel a lot like siege and i'm honestly all for it because i think the model works pretty well um, right what we, what we haven't what we haven't talked about is that the dlcs themselves for rainbow six you can they do it once once a year they do a season pass which is 30 dollars um i'm paying that because i'm a sucker i don't i don't <laughs> I don't. I don't think you need to do that because every map that comes out is free, um, no matter what. So that's not part of what you're paying for. And if you're playing enough, you can just earn enough uh, enough of the currency to unlock. Exactly. Yeah, those you can characters. you can grind towards the the newest operators. Um, and if you play a lot, you're probably gonna have enough uh, renown to buy them by the time they even come out. You know, in the next few months. So like, you can pay for that content. I do it because I love having. Because I can afford it, and I love having all the operators as soon as they come out. Because it's really fun for me. Uh, but I think it's smart the way that they do it, trying to keep the game alive, trying to keep it supported. Um, and you can also just you know decide to grind for it if you want. Gotcha. Um, one last thing I do want to mention that I found out like when playing the game 
is the uh, band ticker. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if you, you've experienced this, but uh, recently Ubisoft has implemented this, this is a serious um, um, anti-harassment ban going on, or, or do you say anything homophobic or racist or, or, or so on. You 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 automatically get to get the can like zero tolerance type stuff. Yeah, you know it's not actually. So, it, it, yeah, so they, this is a new system that they're going by. Uh, a few months ago, they added a button that you can select on a player, just that just says report mm -hmm. toxic behavior. Um, and this the the game to an extent has has always tried to ban people for being toxic, but they've never had proper systems in place to really make that happen on a bigger scale, which is stuff that we've seen games struggle with over the year, like League of Legends and Dota have had to implement more harsh punishments, even Overwatch for, for toxic players. Uh, and, this and, then, and then the cool thing you can do here with this is you can see, like, okay, like, XX Smoke Goku Weed 360 Killer um, just got right. banned. You, you just see that like, right in the middle of the match, and it's like, yeah, it's like and, is that and, the person and when from it the says, game? And when it says they've been banned, that usually means that they were taught hacking, um, but just recently, right. kind of with this big push towards cleaning up the community a bit um, they've they've changed that ticker so that if they get reported or if they get banned for toxic behavior it says so it'll say so and so has been mm has -hmm. been banned for toxic behavior and other games have done that in the past it's sort of like uh, hey listen this is happening so you know they're you, you see you see it happening in other people you should probably watch everything twice before you expose your shitty self Look at these motherfuckers who got banned. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you do you really want to drop that lowercase f right. word here? I said, or or or, or, or mention that there are too many quote unquote dog eater operatives. Oh god. Here's a ban ticker to remind you <laughs> not to be a toxic. I dickhead. say <laughs> I say if you want to expose yourself for being a shitty person, go ahead, because I will happily report you and and contribute <laughs> to your banning on this game. <laughs> oh man, there, there was this time where. Uh, <laughs> Oh gosh! Somebody did say like, and it's like, ah, oh, there's too many dog eaters here. It's just like, what do you mean by that? It's like, oh, you know, it's true. They 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 eat the dogs and whatnot. And it's like, Jesus. Okay, I roll, and then like, it, you know, I I report him, and then I see like a player from our around leave the game, and it's, it's and I saw like a, a, a the, the band ticker go off for for like a toxic behavior, and it's like, wait a second, wait a second, is that the same person? Did you really? Do you saw the guy <laughs> that you played with? No, no. no. No, no, no. I thought it was. That's the thing. Like, I thought it was the same person, but I like. I, I'm thinking it was. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm immediate. waiting for that day. I know it's gonna happen one day, <laughs> where someone that I reported, I'll remember the name of. I just see them get banned one day, and I just, I just sort of take, yes. take I just take a sip of my drink and smile. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was the same person who, who, who thought like every Southeast Asian character is the same in the game. Yeah, they can fuck off. Fuck off and go back to PUBG. It's one of the one of the uh, sort of consequences of having a popular game that is also a shooter. Seems to attract the worst fucking people in the world. I gotcha. Well, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I have nothing to plug directly. No, I just I. If you ever if you ever uh, need want to play Siege, and I'm always around. I love teaching people the game because it's complicated. And no one else is gonna do it. I will for sure be one of them. Uh, where can they find you, Morgan Park? I'm on Twitter at Morgan R. Park. Space is all. Morgan R. Park. All right, and I am 23 Breach at 23 Breach on Twitter, and you can find this episode on the Grind Forever feed, appearing every other week. 
And also, you can also check out our Patreon, the PNB Patreon, Patreon patreon.com slash PNB. There you find some bonus goodies here and there, likely a bonus episode of Level Select coming out later on this month, and also a bonus episode of the PNB main show. And that is it. Is there any uh, musical cues or music songs you, you want to close out with here? Morgan? Uh, I want to play the map music that plays when you load up the poster. Map music. Okay. Find I'll mark that down. <laughs> oh, I can find it. Don't worry. But um, that should do it for this episode of Level Select. Thank you for tuning in. And make sure you tune in next episode where we'll explore the game everything. Thank you so much. You just listened to a show on the PNB Network, and it was made by people just like you. Here are our following executive producer on the show. Aziz Tuajeri, Brandon Lundy, John Olson, Hannah Temke, and Wesley Green. If you want to be like them, go to patreon.com slash PNB and sign up uh, for a $15 tier and become an executive producer on the show. Thanks. We love you guys. Bye.